on TV, online, and Ognyan Dimov. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. James is in the UK. I am in the United States of Trump, America. Oh. Not, uh, not things haven't got any better then since we spoke last time. Uh, I don't know. Like I've come, I'm at more at peace with it than I was last time. But I don't know. I think that might be a bad thing. Anyway, we, it's very difficult. We live in politically charged times. It's not a politically political show. So I'm going to try my best to avoid that stuff. I'm in a bad mood today oh. for a different reason. I want. I wanted nothing more, James, than to have a, a like a bowl of cereal before the show today. Yeah, and the milk had gone bad what are your milk rules because i smelled the milk and thought it was fine but then i saw it was six days past the expiration date six and i was like days uh-huh. yeah. i'm i you see i'm there, there, there are two things right there is best before and there is use by right and when it comes to dairy products including milk it tends to be used by and i'm afraid i adhere to that so if it hits yeah, that no, day I- hits that time it goes down the sink i picture you as the kind of guy who's like this is this is only one only one more day to go. Pour it down the sink anyway. I picture you as like the the milk millionaire, like not taking any chances on milk. I did not take chances today on that. Unfortunately, now I'm a little cranky at the start of the show. Coming up on today's show, we had no live events. We had no charity tournaments, no poker whatsoever. I did discover that I don't even have the other channel that my other, the channel that my other shows air on. Ah, uh, can't even watch my own show. But you don't have channel four either while you're in the U.S. I do not have Channel 4 either, but luckily I know a guy who was able to hook me up with the best of the EPT Volume 2. We will be recapping that show later on, hand-by-hand analysis. And that show uh, had one of my all-time favorite moments that I wasn't involved in, and that's uh, <laughs> Brian D'Angelo's meltdown, uh, where he just berates this dude for almost no reason. It's, like, pretty hilarious. Do you know what? Let's relive the moment right now. You're so bad. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's the sickest thing ever. Like, oh my God. (laughs) You really called pre with that? So bad. That's the sick, what are you doing, Ben? Oh my God. What are you doing? So bad. Ryan is going to be on the show today. It's still brilliant after all this time. It's still good. And I think he's got a pretty good sense of humor about it still. Uh, and today on Superfan versus Stapes, it's our old friend, the air traffic controller, pushing tin himself, Phil Cooper, who has finally unblocked us. And we have reunited. His specialty subject is top gear. Yeah, we got some questions standing by. Joe, you did say you that this is not a political show and we don't like to be too politically charged. But do you know what? I hit a nerve last week when I mentioned the idiocy that lurks in the comment section on YouTube. A lot of people agreeing, including the Undersea Monkey, who said that I summed up perfectly why he never reads any comment section of any website ever. Uh, Michael Zajac took it to the next level, though. Says, James, if you can't find greater stupidity than on a YouTube comments board, you haven't looked in a voting booth. And Gabe takes it further. People being stupid on YouTube? Why do you think Brexit happened? Or Trump was elected? I'm so fed up with this. 
And I do think that there is a correlation here that over the years, by allowing people to say whatever the fuck they want on social media, to get everything off their chest, uncensored, unchecked in the comment section on YouTube, we've become numb to a lot of this shit now. And what used to be unacceptable has become acceptable. And that's why we now see people on TV saying stuff that is outrageous and years ago never would have flown, but we've just become complicit to it. Look, I'm going to I'm going to take issue with certain uh, advice I've been given in the past. I've always been the type of person to fight back against online trolls. And for the first few years, all anyone said was just ignore it. Just ignore it. It's just what is it? Just let it go. And you can't you just cannot allow this sort of ignorance to go completely unchecked and maybe getting into arguments with these people is like not the most efficient use of mine or anyone else's time, but you're doing the right thing. And I remembered my YouTube joke, by the way, yeah. I was trying, remember I was trying to come up with it. it was if ignorance is bliss, then the comment section on YouTube should be the happiest fucking place. on earth. <laughs> that is a great line. That is a great line. And James, I, I know you're like nobody really watches South Park anymore, but this season of South Park, the entire story arc is about um, online trolls and about um, how dangerous. Uh, and it's also a lot about the U.S. election, but uh, it's it's really worth watching. Well, I mean, I have not had what I would call a fight this week, but I have had quite a healthy debate with numerous poker pros. On yes, Twitter. why would you do this? Why would you engage Ike Haxton, who is like one of the most outspoken, like ever since he stopped wearing the Poker Stars badge, has really like become outspoken on a lot of t- topics. And you were like, here we go. Let's get in an argument with one of the with one of the smartest people in the poker world. I dispute that it wasn't an argument. It was a debate. And the problem is it's <laughs> I should have realized that it was a stupid thing to do for the simple reason that everyone knows that I'm a Poker Stars employee. Therefore, yeah. people will automatically assume, with good reason, that I will approach any situation from a position of bias. The reality is that is not true. There is absolutely no obligation for me to fly the flag, endorse, or go to bat for anything that PokerStars does. I think what I'm expected to do is stay quiet if I disagree with something, and that's what I do because I'm professional. But in this particular instance, I just felt that I could miss the point slightly. He was talking about Beat the Clock, and we talked about Beat the Clock on last week's podcast as a new format, or rather a reversioning of an existing format, the Time Tournament, that's been relaunched as a Zoom game. Uh, It's got a big ad campaign with Cristiano Ronaldo in it. That campaign has gone live this week, so it's come to a lot more people's attention. And Ike's like, who comes up with this shit? And I genuinely think that this game appeals to a lot of people, including me. I don't think I'm an idiot. I don't think I'm a fool. But you know what? I enjoy games like this. And my view has always been that poker is a word that is all-encompassing. And it covers so many different games. It covers so many different variations from deuce to seven low ball to no limit hold'em. But it also covers different game types. And I think they can all coexist. And I do think this is a form of poker. It is a poker game which will be popular with a lot of people. Yeah, I believe it or not, James, I had a very similar whatever you want to call it. I was kind of trolling you then by saying argument or discussion with Ike, I think a couple of years ago where he was talking about the rake in some bounty tournament, I think maybe a PCA or something. And I was like, look, it's people don't care about the rake like you do. And I get that. And you're a smart guy. And, um, you know, if you want to work out the math of it, people it, there probably is a bad deal sometimes in certain poker tournaments, but people in general aren't 
looking at that. They just want to go and have fun. And bounty tournaments are fun. And these online tournaments are fun. And look, I will sit in a casino and play Let It Ride. The rake is not very good in Let It Ride. You're not getting like any real like GTO player will look at them and go, what an idiot sitting and playing Let It Ride. I don't care. I, yeah. Like a lot of people watch the Kardashians. There's no value in that intrinsically. It's just people want to be entertained. Yeah, I mean, this conversation with Ike started just between me and Ike, and then David Yan joined in, Javier Ateo, Jeff Rossiter. So loads of the heroes start weighing in on this, and I respect their opinions, and they made some very good points. But I do believe that there are a lot of people out there who do not play poker professionally, who don't play poker to actually make money, who don't look at this kind of stuff. And to me, the price of poker, the fee that I'm paying is the total buy-in. If a game costs $5, I pay that $5 and I fully expect to lose that $5 and I'm not worrying about what percentage goes into the prize pool and what percentage goes to the operator of the game. That's probably the wrong view if you're looking at poker as a plus EV activity. I'm not. I'm paying for entertainment in the same way that I pay for music on iTunes or movies on Blu-ray or get a trip to the cinema or a meal out with friends. So it's a different perspective on things. And the way I would look at it, and again, this is just to sort of put things in context, if you said, right, there is a poker tournament taking place and it costs a thousand pounds and it's rake free, I'm not going to play that. Do you know why? Because I would never, ever pay a grand to play a game of poker. If you said there's a game of poker which is 150 quid, but it's 120 buy-in with 30 pound rake, I'm in. I don't care that the rake is high. I don't care that the fee's too aggressive. I can afford 120, 150 quid, and I'll probably have a lot of fun playing that poker tournament. Right, and it, like, and maybe I'm wrong, but isn't it like it wouldn't attracting tens of thousands of more used to the game be more beneficial? to a professional poker player than... I'm not sure having loads more of me is good for anything in society. <laughs> I you take your I mean, point. Though. I take your point, yeah. Like, and I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer to that is, but it seems to me that, like, if there are a bunch of people showing up to spend 120 and zero showing up to spend 1,000, one of those is better? I don't know. But also, my view is that these games have to coexist. I love spin and goes, and I would happily play them if I was allowed to. I don't like KO poker, wouldn't choose to play it. I like beat the clock and I will play it. But equally, as long as we continue to run things like the World Championship of Online Poker, the Spring Championship of Online Poker, as long as we still have, for want of a better word, authentic poker sitting alongside these new game types, what's the problem? Just play the games you want to play, ignore the ones you don't like. Yeah, I mean, I know why the, you know... Ev I get both sides of it, but ultimately I'm I'm on this side of also just being a poker for entertainment person. So I, I don't like I wish I cared more, but I don't. But crucially, it was a good discussion with a lot of good points being made. I only had one person show up in the conversation who basically told me to shut the fuck up. And sadly, I don't have any robot bees at my disposal. So I just blocked him instead. <laughs> I just I don't like getting into those things with those guys because they're all so much smarter than me. And so I'm like, well, if I, I don't whatever I think is probably wrong. Like, I would just assume that I'm wrong. So anyway, uh, so, James, we do have uh, did we settle on the new name of the show? Yeah. And we're going to reveal it in Prague. So when we shoot the Envision version of the podcast at EPC Prague, at the very end of that show, we will reveal the name of the show. I can tell you 
that it was a name suggested by one of our listeners as someone is going to win a prize and that person will find out when they hear the name of the show in Prague in a month's time. Yes. Hey, uh, I need Francine to take me for some new suits before Prague because I, I know I mentioned it before, but uh, one, when I did the Daniel Negrano charity event, my pants split. So I literally don't have suit suit pants that go with my suit anymore. And also, this is not even a joke, James. I've been stress eating since the election, like just every like no diet whatsoever, every horrible comforting thing that I wanted to put in my mouth for like the last 10 days I've been doing it now Joe at this point I am again going to wear my PokerStars badge and look at this from a budgetary point of view it is kind of your responsibility to maintain your weight and be able to fit into your suit (laughs) I know I know but we got those skinny suits like a couple years ago like when I was slim and then what happened was I started like bulking up like getting bid big muscly and now i'm just turning to a fat sack of fat because i'm just so stressed out all the time i appreciate that but do you know what the price of that is buying a new suit yourself <laughs> look i uh, i just wanted to talk movies for one second i don't sure. know if you've watched anything this week i just um i don't know if i just needed the relief or release or whatever you want to call it but i watched uh, grimsby over the weekend the sasha baron cohen movie or maybe oh, it's called yeah. the brother the Brothers Grimsby, I think, is what it was called here. I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard and so long in a movie. Like, I was, like, in tears for some of it. I thought this movie was absolutely hysterical. Just super funny. I haven't seen any movies. Um, I'm currently working my way through the night of. I'm two episodes in and gripped. It's it's fantastic. I watched the first episode on the plane on my way back from London, um, the last trip I took back here like a, like a week ago or whatever. Um, unfortunately, like my roommate, so you occasionally I'll mention my roommate on the show. We'll see her walk past on webcam when James and I on, on, on Skype together. And um, my roommate loves talking, like just wants to talk all the time, like about everything. And it's good she to asked talk, me, as Bob Hoskins famously said. Well, you know, I do a lot of talking for my living. And so sometimes when I come home, I like just don't want to talk that much. Sure. And she was like, oh, my God, have you seen the night of? And to be honest, I had seen the first episode, but I just didn't want to talk about it. So I just lied. I was like, nah, haven't seen it (laughs) because I knew she was going to want to talk about it. And she's like the queen of the unintentional spoiler. She'll be like, won't say anything, but she'll be like, oh, my God, just wait till episode three. There's this thing, and I'm like, oh, yo. Oh, no, that uh, is really, really annoying. The The crucial thing is, though, you do need to pick it up again because I know what you're like. You'll watch episode two, and you'll be like, I don't remember anything that happened in episode one. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up soon. I just, you know, it's to watch like a serious drama, I just have to be in the right state of mind, and I'm not always in that state of mind. So. And I'm assuming you haven't had a chance to see Black Mirror yet. No, no, didn't do that. It, honestly, what happened last week is I sat down to watch Black Mirror a couple different times, and I was asleep within I, – I, I knew I was too tired for it, so I put on yeah. something else. Like I tried to watch that new Christopher Guest movie, Mascots, Okay, and I fell asleep – three different times trying to watch that movie and that was this was at this was at nine o'clock at night like so i just have been really tired from the last few trips i don't think it's tiredness that would be the problem to be honest with you i mean obviously it's one of the problems but the other would be you definitely have to be in the right frame of mind to watch one of those episodes and considering where you are right now psychologically probably put it off for a few weeks maybe a few months maybe a few years say four years 
four years. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about a TV show that I have seen. Let's do a little TV recap of last night's best of. TV recap. Yes, part two of the best of the EPT as the countdown continues. Uh, so last week we covered hands 40 through 27. This week was counting down 26 to 14, which means next week's show will be the top 13, including the top 10 and the number one hand of all time. Uh, so do you want to go through these in order, Joe? Yeah, for the most part, we can go through them in order. First of all, hey, thanks for getting me the high-res copy of the show this week, my little a pirate personal pirate bay over here however it was three and a half gigabytes to file and i had to like delete shit off my hard drive just so it could fit <laughs> at least you got to watch a gloriously high-res version of great poker i did it was it was pretty cool so the first hand in the show hand number 26 that was my first ever ept recording right this is true you came in to do the ept 11 grand final sorry ept 7 grand final in 2011 this was when the grand final was in madrid and it was won by a chap called ivan freites and of course freites became famous for an i don't know whether awesome is the right word to use but certainly you have to tip your hat to a certain degree to the angle shoot that he pulled against a player called eugenia knight which required a ruling from the tournament staff and yes we worked together providing the commentary on that one so i mean that was actually a really hard hand for me to do because we were doing this as live thing, which I wasn't really that used to yet. I mean, we had done the, the NAPT shows. James, what, what was the one where Natalie Hoff, her boyfriend at the time won? This was the table. This is uh, Torsten Brinkman, who was Natalie's yeah. boyfriend at the time, finished second to Freites and Natalie was on the rail during the heads up battle. Okay, so that was this. Okay, fine. Um, doing this, like, so we do this thing on the EPT that you guys have heard us mention before. It's as live. You know, we're sort of pretending, uh, if you will, that we're seeing this for the first time. And I had read about this hand extensively uh, and maybe even had seen it. Was there a live stream for this at no. the time? Okay, so I just read about it. So doing this live, as live was hard because you're not even really allowed to turn on this guy until you real quote unquote have realized what's happened in the moment. And it was really tough for me to not just be like, fuck this guy. This guy's a fucking cheater. It, uh, I don't know if you had the same thing, James. It was like almost like not enough time to, to say what needed to be said about it. What I find interesting, because I remember speaking to people about this at the time and, and hearing their views now as well, that people like Liv Bury and Daniel Negreanu almost admire what he did and don't actually think that it's outside the rules or outside the way the game should be played. It's meant to be a game of deception. And that's what he did. He, he, he deceived his opponent. It is just such a weird, dicey thing, I guess, because, yes, he didn't break any rules. Um, Look, I think I, it's, it's dirty as hell. And the thing that I don't understand, and I know that, like, Neil Johnson <laughs> Johnson questions yeah, the ruling that Thomas Kremser made. He didn't like the way Thomas handled it. But when Thomas does give the entire table and the player in the hand against him all the information, the guy still calls. Yeah, why does he call? I mean... Uh, I, I always thought that was super weird, like almost like Eugene almost felt like he didn't like the way Thomas handled it and that he shouldn't have had that information and calls anyway. And especially like he makes the call. And then after he makes the call and sees the hand, he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I heard about this guy a week ago. <laughs> then 
Then why did you call? What are you doing, Ben? Sorry, that's coming up later. <laughs> uh, let's get to hand number two then, which features a man who is a legend in his own living room. Uh, Phil Helmuth, we don't often see him on the tour. He did show up at the PCA a few years back and lasted 30 minutes in a super high roller. I mean, he's not just a, hey, James, I'm a big Phil Helmuth apologist. He is not just a legend in his own living room. He is a legend everywhere. It's solidified by the fact that he spent, what did you say at the end of it? $3,000 a minute yeah. to play in the super high roller. This this hand actually brought back some sad memories. Remember at our table hands? Remember? Remember we used to have more than one table? Like, I just, I, saw, I was like, oh, outer table hands. It's really That's weird. we don't do anymore. Because obviously, because it was outer table, though, Joe, it was cards down. So watching right. it again, I had forgotten what they had here. And I think you said it in commentary. To me, a bare nine is a pretty trivial laydown to that shove from Gruesome. You know what's weird is that I remember having that attitude at the time. And you know how good my memory is, so I didn't exactly remember what happened in this hand. And all I was thinking to myself is, everyone knows that Phil is capable of making really big laydowns. And if I th- and if I know that that is my perceived image, then I might be less inclined to fold a naked nine there. Um, in a vacuum, like not knowing that about either one of their reputations, I think it's a, as you said, it's a very trivial laydown, like all the time if it's just two random people. But when I was watching, I was like, man, Phil, Phil folds such huge hands in these spots. It's possible that Phil could, Phil Gruesome uh, could be trying to get him to fold one of these really strong hands. I did enjoy the way in commentary you kept saying, Phil Helmuth knows that <laughs> Phil gruesome uh then we move on to uh hand number 24 on the countdown a blast from the past i don't know if you'd seen this hand before joe it's from the uh uh, barden ept in season three yeah this hand i love it back when there was only one mercier on team pro and her name was isabel (laughs) it was so weird i saw that poster i'm like why is live on a jason mercier oh wait that's neither live nor jason Isabel, isabel no mercy mercier um, oh, and the dude who's like getting on, getting yelled at by Andy Black in the sand. Peter Eichhardt. Peter Eichhardt. For some reason, he was checking into the hotel in Malta as I was checking out. I don't know if he was going for the for the Battle of Malta or whatever, but yeah, that's that was weird seeing him there. Yeah, he's been back on the tour in recent years. I think he had a deep run in Barcelona the year that Joanda won. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's good to see him back on the tour. And what I liked about Peter is his honesty um, that he'd been off the circuit because he couldn't keep up with the game anymore. He'd, he'd had a couple of big big results. He made the final table of Deauville in season one, for example, and then found that the game had changed and he was basically a losing player and had to go away, reassess and really kind of get himself up to speed with the modern game. Wow, nobody admits to being a, lo- a losing player. I did think, by the way, that Andy's like sort of, he made his... You you said it perfectly. He got his point across. Icard apologized, and then but then he just kept going and going. I hate it when people do that. You're like, I I, I said you're right, bro. Like just let it go. Yeah. Uh, then we have hand number twenty three. Hashtag death by quads. This is the hand that got me invited to a destination wedding. Uh, because James accidentally on the live stream kind of made it sound like Phil deserved to get sucked out on because he tanked with Kings. That's not what happened. What happened is some people felt that I was over-celebrating the quads and somehow it was dealing poetic justice. It was not at all 
schadenfreude. It was just sheer disbelief that one of these kind of like small percentage situations had come down. It was such a car crash of a hand. How do you not get excited about that? I also really like this hand watching it back because Mike Watson looks a lot like Aaron Paul. I was like, I, did, did Aaron Paul play in this and we just <laughs> didn't notice? No, it was definitely Mike Watson. That was, was, it, was it the first or was it the second or the first 50K they'd had in, um, in, in Barcelona? Yeah, and so that's why like I, now that I'm friends with Phil, watching him go broke in that spot, just being like, oh man, that was 50,000 euros. That was a lot. I know. I'm pretty sure that was his second bullet in that tournament as well. Yeah. Uh, and while we're on the subject of quads, uh, hand 22 is Big Toro himself. Yeah, this guy was awesome in general. You don't get the full Big Tar experience watching just this one hand, but I do remember doing this live and just saying straight up, this guy has quads. Like, no doubt in my mind, he's got quads. He puts on such a show, um, Hollywooding and making noises and flaring, crossing his eyes and flaring his nostrils. Like, it's like, you know me, James. I'm like not very comfortable putting players on hands very often. And I was like, this guy has quads 100%. <laughs> I just, I think my favorite uh, line of summary on any hand you've ever done was, I don't like watching someone suffer this much, even if they are French. <laughs> Dude, there was actually a bunch of stuff from this episode that I'm like, I don't think I could get away with saying this anymore. I think that a lot of this would get, get stopped. Um, and, it, you know, at least in the case of that guy, like if you're going to be wrong in the hand, be really, really wrong. You that know what I mean? True. Like, don't, don't call it ace high and lose the deuces. Like, you know, call, call with, Call with ace high and lose to quads. Now, the next hand does not feature the dulcet, dulcet tones of Joe Stapleton. Um, this is a real blast from the past, and this is someone <laughs> who I'd forgotten was a commentator on the EPT a few seasons back, Svera Sunbo. Who the fuck is Svera Sunbo? Svera is a Norwegian pro who was very hot around 2007, and I think he was kind of angling to become part of Team Pro, and so did a few TV shows back then, but then no deal materialized, and he kind of disappeared. He sounded like like Norwegian Will Reynolds. Like I thought, like almost it was just like Will with an accent. Like Will had gone off the deep end. He's like, and from now on, I'll be known as Svera Sunbo because <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds like a made-up name. Um, there was like a little, like sort of string bet raised action that happened in this hand. Yeah, this is uh, this is poor old Greg Dyer who kind of uh, gets his bet wrong and gets told off by Mark Telcher. Yeah, like who is Mark Telcher to be quoting the rule book? <laughs> like, sorry. Good point well made. Um, I'm not really sure, and also he's not in the hand, so yeah. there's actually two reasons. I'm like, what is he doing? Um, it's just one of those situations where I think people like to quote the rule book. They're like, well, technically, technically here's the answer. Like, I know that it doesn't fly in like real tournaments for exactly the same reason as the angle shooting from before. I'm so laissez fair though. I'm like, everyone knows he didn't mean to bet 11,000. What did you mean, sir? Like, and I know you can't do that or whatever. I'm just too much of a human being from this, but like the worst part is right. He's bluffing. Yeah. How, how do you recover from that ruling when you're bluffing? That's the point where I'm just like, I'm just waving the white flag going, I'm just going to give up now. I straight up would just, oh, I would just open mock. I'd be like, look, I was trying to bluff and it's all fucked up. Here, just take it. <laughs> just take the pot. And, but he doesn't. He keeps going and gets his launch eaten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so big call from Sander Lyloff, who eventually won that event in Barcelona. And a big call from Davidi Katai at hand 20. Yeah. Isn't this the hand that Davidi uh, tweeted at me about afterward? Uh, I don't remember. 
I'm a, I can't anyway. keep track of all of your social media shenanigans, Joey. I didn't. I didn't have too much to say about this hand. It's a good hand. Same with the Vicky hand that, that yeah. was on after this one. Um, the Dublin hand that came on after that, we we covered that one relatively recently. It's still when the guy celebrates making his flush. It fooled me then live. It fooled me when I was writing my commentary. It fooled me in the commentary booth, and it fooled me last night. No, it didn't. I didn't I, okay, maybe it didn't fool me when I watched it last night, but. Um, I, I just, that I'll probably always be that guy. Like I'm just the guy. It's like flush away full house, uh, from 18 to 16, Maurice Hawkins versus Sham Srinivasan. Yeah. The Hawk. Do we still have that? Does that exist somewhere? I have to do it with my mouth. Um, this is great. Seeing this again. Um, very awkward hand with the side talking, Ego and poker, ego broke, like just weird catchphrases and just awkward sort of subtweeting each other during this hand. Really, I can't do it justice. You guys just got to watch it yourself. And then we have a return appearance for Daniel Negreanu. He was in the countdown in last week's show. He's back in here at hand number 15. And this is that spot where is Daniel value betting or is he bluffing? We're not sure, but he gets Alec Torelli. To fold a set of fives. And again, yeah, I think this hand just comes down to rep, right? Like Daniel's not really a bluffer. Uh, Daniel tends to play his hand strength, uh, his hands, uh, you know, the, the way you would expect. When he's got a big hand, he bets big. In this one rare instance, he does not have a very big hand. But Alec is playing his rep, I think, so much that he knows that most of the time when Daniel makes this bet, he's going to have fives beat. Uh, and the show closed out with hand number 14. Uh, this is a hand which we featured so many times and talked about so much. It's that infamous bubble of the super high roller at PCA 2014, where there's like five short stacks. So the two biggest stacks of the table just get involved in an absolutely unnecessary collision. And to quote Vanessa Selbst, I just lost two million chips. <laughs> yeah, this was the hand that after it aired, I think there was like a big two plus two thread about how I'm like biased against Dan Shack. Yeah, you're, why, are we, was, why are we so biased against Dan Shack, Joe? Why, 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 why didn't you want Dan Shack to win, Joe? Yeah, well, luckily I went to Dan. I saw Dan after that, and I asked him about, it and he was like, "No, no, no, it's fine." Dan, no, 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 no. <laughs> what are you doing, Ben? Oh my god. Now, the eagle-eyed among you, or rather the eagle ear, would have noticed that we skipped from 18 to 16, leaving out hand number 17. And that's because we have the man who starred in that moment on the show right now. So we're going to discuss the hand with Ryan D'Angelo himself. Ryan, welcome, welcome to EPT Not Live. Um, yes, this is the infamous hand from PCA 2010, from the final table, when, Ryan, you took issue with the way Mr. Benjamin Zamani played his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will never live this hand down wow what a what a moment yeah so ryan i tell you what rather than me ask you a bunch of questions about that hand why don't you give us your thoughts like whatever it is now seven or eight years later and then if i have some follow-up questions i will go ahead and do that oh you want me to yeah tell you how it went down i can sure well, do that well like what you were thinking at the time like when you had your little meltdown what you think about it now what sort of guff you've gotten all, all of the above yeah wow um 
So it was a moment where young Ryan D'Angelo was just trying to make a hero call on TV. And it was so funny. Like I beat all the straight draws and I'm like, oh, oh my God, I think he's bluffing. Um, but yeah, looking back on the situation, I should have either raised all in or just bet the flop, you know, funny hand. And then uh, yeah. afterwards, so I get what Ra- young Ryan D'Angelo was doing during the hand, but afterward, yeah. when your hero call with Queen High wasn't good enough, you decided to tell your opponent that he played it bad. Thoughts on that now? Hey, what are you doing, Ben? What? Are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Like he opens under the gun, and I three bet him on the button at the PCA final table, and he flats out of position with Ace Five offsuit, and I'm like, Ben, oh my god. He likes to call, though. That's Ben Zimani. He's not a folder, so I should have known it. Wow, what a funny, funny hand. Queen high. Wow. No, <laughs> queen high, no good. Every poker tournament I go to, I have, I have randoms just going, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> During hands. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I'll never live it down. You're right. What, what was he doing? And every time I see Ben now, we're cool. We're friends. But I'm like... Ben, that hand was messed up, man. He's like, yeah, you're right, but I, I didn't think you had it either. <laughs> oh, man, we were just battling with each other. Wow, what a hand. So what I've always liked about you, Ryan, even before this happened, was that uh, even like back in the day um, when you were not quite as big a name uh, as you know after making this final table, is that you kind of own the silly things that you do. Like, remember there was that video at PCA years ago of you dancing with a construction cone. Yeah. Like you're just completely hammered. I remember that. Like it was yesterday. Yeah. It was just like, I think it might've been in Aruba. I don't know. That was was, in Aruba. Yeah. yeah, I was really drunk and that was one of the best nights of my life. Actually. That was amazing. But what I love about you is I go, Hey, I have this really embarrassing video of you, like doing the tango with like a piece of uh, like construction equipment. Do you mind if I I play my show? Yeah, you're like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, I love authentic moments like that when you're just really in the flow and having a great time, you know? Well, I remember the first time I came across Ryan D'Angelo, and as I just arrived in the Bahamas for the PCA that year, and it was the night of the party. And that year, the party was not at the end of the festival. It was like somewhere in the middle. And yeah, Kelly- right before the Final table. The yes. day, night before the final table. I was chip leader of the main event and I had just gotten two WCOOP bracelets. It was the best night of my life. It was amazing. I remember very clearly Kelly Rowland was performing <laughs> at the PCA that year. And I remember Daniel Negrano is Daniel Negrano is doing some moves and then you start getting into a dance off with Daniel Negrano and I'm like Who's this guy? And someone goes, he's uh, he's he's the chip leader at the final table tomorrow. And I'm like, I would be very surprised, judging by how much that guy's had to drink, if he's going to win the PCA tomorrow. I didn't drink too much, but yeah, I was I was on a high vibe that night for sure. This is yeah. what I like about you, though, is you don't seem particularly embarrassed by your actions. You're like, yeah, what a hand. What a crazy hand. Even though, like, everyone sees you. And, like, for that moment, if they don't know you, they're like... What's this kid doing? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Ben? <laughs> and I was the only one on the second row of the dance floor. I was on someone's shoulders. It was hilarious. <laughs> so there's a, there's a photo from behind of, like, Kelly Rowland and me, like, with my hands in the air. It's crazy. I'm just yeah. really glad, Ryan, because that you're still the same guy that you were back then, and you're laughing about this on the air, because I know that 
in your personal life, like at least your tweeting and stuff is, is kind of serious a lot of the time. You know, you're very uh, strong advocate for the environment and, you know, certain um, uh, dietary opinions that you hold. And so I, I yeah. always wonder, like, when someone like does Ryan still have a sense of humor? And it sounds like you do at least. Yeah, man, absolutely. I would never. I. Uh, it's just so funny how it all how, how it all unfolds basically like the behaviors we go through our life it very they vary so much you know and uh sometimes you just do some some crazy stuff so ryan you mentioned your w coop successes and everyone knew you more by your online handle golfer than they knew the name ryan d'angelo um in the wake of april 2011 did you relocate or have you just become like a live grinder these days um, yeah, I've stayed in the States. I've traveled to play some online and, uh, yeah, play the live circuit, play a lot of live cash. Yeah. Been, been more of a live guy since, uh, online, uh, broke down, but still play, still play W coop and scoop. Yeah. I love it. So do you have a permanent home or are you just a, a, a floater? If you'll forgive the right, awful term. Right now I have a piece of land in Costa Rica. We just had a house, you know, finished down there in the middle of the jungle so technically that's home but uh looking to settle down somewhere in the states maybe florida or portland well those are kind of far apart they are far apart <laughs> two ends of the spectrum florida florida is like i would live it much better for poker but portland is like the best place ever the air is super clean amazing food you know so much nature stuff to do so yeah, yeah that's Portland's yeah. got that that crunchy attitude that you're into these days. Oh yeah, it's it's an amazing spot. Whenever I hear the word Portland, I'm reminded of a guy who used to was floating around one year at the Palms in Vegas who had this party trick where he would just take one look at people and immediately be able to guess where they were from in the world. And he looked at me and he went, "Portland, Oregon." And no I was, way, really? I'm like, "No, you couldn't be further." I mean, <laughs> Oh my god, that's hilarious! That's a pretty big mess up for a for a mentalist type of guy. Hey, exactly. so James, if I could tell you my history with Ryan, yeah, um, there was this dude that would like occasionally write into two jacks in the hole was like my first, and his name was Golfa, and we were like, oh, this guy's like whatever, he's just like some you know online poker fan or whatever, and then the kid goes and wins two W coops, <laughs> and I think. And I think that you like mentioned our show or something in one of your interviews. Like, yeah, probably. I used to listen to you got you and Scott all the time. And so, like, it's just kind of weird when the person, like, you know, just one of these people you just like as assume as a listener, then goes on to be way more successful <laughs> than you could ever be, and then you're begging him to be a guest on your podcast ten years know. later. I don't know, Mister Stand-Up Comedian. You're pretty famous. <laughs> I'm definitely not famous for being a stand-up comedian. <laughs> like a lot of people think that I'm like it because I'm always tweeting about it. That I'm like doing these are like bars. I'm like not getting paid for like 99% of these gigs. It's just it's just I'm basically tweeting about my hobby. Dude, you make me laugh. You make me laugh just as much as like Louis C.K. or Chris Rock. Everything well, is so funny. I appreciate that, Ryan. It's tough yeah. times right now to. Uh, <laughs> To, uh, to try to be funny or fun. Uh, I know that you were not maybe uh, going to have be pressed for time today because of the tournament you were playing in Montreal. I oh, think I, I saw thought... you went out were you on 22nd or something. Yeah, 22nd out of 650, not too bad. Lost a few big all-ins at the end. But yeah, oh, I still love tournament poker. You know, it's such a... It's a 
Battle of the uh, Battle of the Brains, basically. So you're not sick of it yet. You're not um, kind of over the the road. I still I still get excited every time I register. Yeah. One one last thing I wanted to ask you, Ryan, before um, we uh, get to play, have try to have a little fun here and play a little game. Um, have you had any of those? Like we just saw from the PCA, have you had any of those blow ups since then? Do you still occasionally <laughs> freak out and, wow. and berate someone? I think I think after that experience, I just flipped a switch. Basically, I'm like, oh man, I can't do that anymore. I mean, there's probably been micro instances, but really nothing like that. That was like, oh my god, what a huge stage we were on, and like, what a crazy hand. <laughs> I was probably more mad at myself actually. I was like, Ryan, what did you just do? <laughs> I think, yeah, you you can sort of see yourself go through the thought process where you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And then you're I like, know. now, now who else can I blame? Dude, he goes, listen to this. I call, he says, you're good. And then <laughs> I sit there and just sit for a second. I like, don't flinch. And then he just flipped up ace five. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I call you three nine. Oh, my gosh. So, well, luckily, uh, Ryan, I, I came up with a game today I think that you're going to be pretty good at. It's called What Are You Doing, Ben? Okay, perfect. And it's kind of like Jeopardy, where I'm going to read you the answer, and you must reply with a question in the form of What Are You Doing, Ben Blank? Okay, wow, this is, uh, this is intense. Okay, let's so go. So all of the answers have a Ben in it. Okay, so I have to throw Ben's name in a question about what you said joe i think it might be worth doing an example yeah i'm gonna play yeah. an example question with james ready so here's the first question james is gonna handle it for you i'm just telling my nephew with great power comes great responsibility the answer would be what are you doing uncle ben it's a spider-man reference <laughs> okay gotcha first question i'm living my life backwards Bend into the hamstrings? What? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on. Let me change let me change a keyword in my question. I'm living my life in reverse from old to young. Have I been here before? <laughs> James, help. James, help him out with this one too. This is a very high concept game. It's not your fault. Remember, yeah. the answer will always begin, what are you doing, Ben? And in this case, it's, what are you doing, Benjamin Button? Oh, yeah, obviously. Wow, I'm, I was too early for me. I, I should have figured that one out. Okay, here we go. Question number three. I'm playing an okay Batman in an otherwise unwatchable movie. Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> once again James. once again you think after 67 episodes you would have got the message joe that poker players are not up to speed on popular culture <laughs> he's not even getting the format of the, the answer right though right, hold on say it again joe say it again remember okay the answer will include the phrase what are you doing ben and then you just have to add a word to that okay gotcha I'm playing an okay Batman in an otherwise unwatchable movie. What are you doing, Ben? What is his name? I can't, I'm completely <laughs> blanking. Affleck. 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 Ben Affleck. Oh, shit. Is he the new Batman? 
<laughs> Dude, I'm... Uh, LOL. This is EPT, not LOL3. <laughs> okay, so... So Ryan, I think you're gonna know the next answer, but what I really want you to do is string it together the way I want you to say, like for that last answer I was looking for, what are you doing, Ben Affleck? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I just okay. didn't know Ben Affleck was the new Batman. Okay, here we go. I think uh, you're gonna get this one. I was thinking of the guy from the one with the Joker, but that's not Ben. No, that's uh, Mike, Michael Keaton or Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Or, or Adam West. All right, uh, here we go. <laughs> Uh, what am I doing? I'm inventing the lightning rod, bifocals, and America. What are you doing, Benjamin Franklin? Yes! Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Fair and square on the board, plus you kind of got the Affleck one, so I'm calling it a score of two. <laughs> you nailed that one. Okay, right. I, th I have faith in you. I think you're going to get this one, too. I'm turning down a position in Trump's cabinet, citing lack of experience, even though a year ago I myself ran for president. What are you doing, Ben Carson? Yes, there we go. <laughs> Two in a row. Oh, well, what, what a character. He's probably going to be in the cabinet, right? Well, apparently he said no. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think Ryan's going to get this one. I'm going to skip it. That one's a little off-brand. Let's go with this one. One last one, Ryan. See if we can go three in a row for you. We're losing to the New York Giants 21-20 to in Monday night's game. What are we? What are you doing, Ben Roethlisberger? Oh, oh man. I'm retired, Ben. Uh, oh, hold on. I'll get this one. Ben, um... This one's a trick question. It's not a trick question, but, uh, Ben... I, I don't know. He's telling me whether or not it's a trick question. Not a trick question. What are you doing, Cincinnati Bengals? Oh, it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> you got me, Joe. Wow, you got me. You got me good. Uh, Ryan, I am going to go ahead and, and release you from this uh, what are you doing, Ben Hell, that I've put you in. But I just want to say thanks for being such a good sport about this, man. You're, 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 look, you may, be a, you may be a raw vegan these days, but you're still the same Ryan D'Angelo I knew. Oh, I love you. I love you both. Uh, good times. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Yo, peace and love, guys. Uh, we'll talk soon. He is such a nice guy. He's he's seriously the most fun dude ever. And I was genuinely concerned because he's got like super serious vegan raw Mother Earth over the last few years. And I thought I somehow and it's probably unfair. I associate those people with not having much of a sense of humor, but he is clearly still just a total goofball. Uh, who cannot understand one of your overcomplicated games. <laughs> it's not his fault. <laughs> Just to close out our conversation on the best of the EPT, Andy Gibbons tweeted in the last few days, late to the party, but I like the best of the EPT shows. Uh, even if you don't know much about poker, well worth a look. We're two thirds of the way through. The final installment, counting down from 13 to 1, will be next Tuesday on Channel 4 in the UK and Ireland. And of course, it'll be available to watch the very next day at pokerstars.tv for everyone in the rest of the world. Um, and I guess we'll talk about that show on next... No, there is no podcast next week. So we'll save it for a couple of weeks' time. 
Yeah, is there going to be two shows to go over, or no, we just have the best of, and then we're on a break again on Channel 4? No, we have the best of, and then we immediately kick off Season 13, so it's going to be the Barcelona Super High Roller. But you know what? That tournament was so recent, and we had Fedor Holtz, the winner of that tournament, on so recently that I'd rather go over the best of, to be honest. Okay, so maybe just some light Season 13 opener and then focus on the best of. We will do that. Uh, Of course, Season 13 of the EPT is incredibly short uh, because it concludes in Prague next month and then we launch the Pokestars Championship in the Bahamas. And as we've been mentioning for the last few weeks on the podcast, we have got spin-and-go qualifiers to the Bahamas running right now on Pokestars. Your chance to turn $10 into a package worth $10,565. So, Joe, I've got some information for you. Uh, The promotion has been running now for nine days. Remember, it started on the 7th of November. It concludes on the 4th of December. So we've got a month of these qualifiers running on stars. In the first nine days, how many packages have been awarded? How many people have spun and gone to the Bahamas so far? 15. No, think Ronin. Ronin, um, 99. There were 47 Ronin, Joe, not 47 was what I meant, sorry, 47. There were 99 red balloons. We'll do that one next week when we've got to 99. But no, I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. That's pretty much an average of five a day qualifying so far. That's pretty cool. So 47 people at least. There's going to be so many more because the promotion's running until the first week of December. Remember, for $10, you could win a seat in the Pokestars Championship main event. Nine nights accommodation for you and a guest at the Atlantis Resort. More than $1,000 in travel expenses and $1,000 in hotel credit. And just to remind you, the probability of hitting that package is 300 in a million. And as you can tell from the fact that 47 people have won their packages so far, that they do come around relatively frequently because there are so many spin and goes being played on PokerStars. So many people are paying their 10 bucks, hoping to make it to the very first PokerStars Championship event. 47 spin and go winners already going to the Bahamas. That's going to make, look, there's going to be a spin and go winner at the final table. You reckon? Yeah, I think so. We've had one so far, right? We have in, in Monte Carlo. I mean, we're looking at, by the time they're done with this promotion, there's going to be 150 people. Well, at I, least. I extrapolated the data as well, and I came to that conclusion. I do think it slows down towards the end, but I think we can easily match, if not do better, than the 121 spin-and-go qualifiers we brought to Monte Carlo back in May. Yeah, so, and I think with those numbers, I mean, you've got, uh, that's going to be like 10, like 10% of the field. Yeah. It's going to be spin and go qualifiers. So that would be just super sick to have a spin and go winner win the PC, uh, <laughs> win the piece of the action in the Bahamas. Well rescued. Okay, we're going to give away <laughs> a satellite ticket right now, or hopefully we'll give it away uh, because we have got a 27 euro step seat ticket up for grabs, plus, of course, some PokerStars merchandise in this week's edition of Superfan versus Stapes. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, for the next 10 minutes, fear for the lives of any soul on board an aircraft flying over the north of the UK, because we're going to distract an air traffic controller now on EPT Not Live as Phil Cooper joins us from Aberdeen. Welcome, Phil. How you doing, guys? Phil, what time is it in Aberdeen? Uh, same time it is in London. 
Wow, that's wild. Different countries and everything, huh? <laughs> In the same time zone. I'm going to presume, Phil, that you were able to do this today because you're not actually on shift. No, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm definitely not working right now. That, that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it did worry us when you would say, when you would tweet EPT Live and we'd be concerned about the fact that someone <laughs> with such an important job was wasting his time, not just watching poker, but engaging with the show, which obviously we love and we appreciate your fandom. However, it, it did kind of send a shiver down our spine. No, it's fine. Um, it was actually quite useful to using like breaks for revision and stuff. And uh, I obviously got there in the end, so it's all good. It is. You know, all good. I don't. I I don't know that um, that we could have done him a bigger favor than to distract him. You know what I mean? Like we 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 basically. Well, sorry. What I was meant to say here is like James. Didn't you at one point think that we stopped hearing from Phil? because he had finally gotten his job as an air traffic controller and he was just so busy. Well, I remember Phil actually tweeting to say that he'd passed the test and we figured, right, well, he's got the job now and actually he's focused 100% on keeping planes in the sky, making sure everything is safe. And then it turns out that you fucked up your settings on Twitter, had set your tweets to private and was still bombarding us with stuff which we couldn't see. Yeah, that was that was a little bit of an error on my part. Um, it was kind of funny because there was the moment that you guys mentioned a couple of weeks ago in the uh, in the bar with Joe, where you just get the the look of realization on my face. I'm like, oh, oh, that makes sense now. Well, also in that you had been tweeting me all day, like, hey, I'm thinking <laughs> of taking a plane in uh, to come. I'm thinking of flying in to see your stand-up show. I would have been like, no, don't. I'll be done by eight thirty. So, like, what actually happened there was I, I booked the flight with Avios, um, and I was looking for one from Aberdeen, so I was like, I checked it, that's fine, this one gets in at four o'clock, loads of time to get across London. Um, so I'm like, oh, hang on, before I book it, I better find a hotel that doesn't cost me, you know, my next month's paycheck. So uh, I found one, but by the time I'd done that, I went back, and the flight had gone, so I ended up having to drive to Glasgow to catch a flight for a hotel that I'd already booked. <laughs> This is, I mean, this is the most effort anyone's ever gone through to not see one of my shows. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it's like the story about the time that I almost got to see Joe's show. It's like uh, one of Joe's stories from what he almost got up to in the Bahamas. Well, the thing is, luckily, I think that this is probably the best possible scenario that could have played out for me because that way you didn't actually see the show. And you like imagine if you had seen it and it was bad. Like, this is a chop pot, right, James? It is definitely a chop pot. And they say that everyone loves a chop pot. There is a baseball cap that has that slogan on, and that is one of the prizes you are playing for, Phil. Also up for grabs, because you are a UK player, you are eligible to win a Step C ticket. And at this point, we give a shout-out to Andy Harper, at Snooker Fanatic, who came onto the show and beat Joe in a game of Phil Locke-based trivia. And Andy tweeted this week to say that he has turned his Step C ticket into a €215 tournament ticket. So we are hoping that Andy will get through that final step and will join us in a main event on the PokerStars Championship. Nice. I'll uh, I'll try my hardest not to punt off if I win. So, (laughs) Phil, you have chosen as your specialist subject the television show Top Gear. And in doing research for this quiz, I decided to centre it on the controversial character who has been at the heart of Top Gear for the last few decades. That gentleman, 
and I use the word in its loosest term, being Jeremy Clarkson. And in putting together these questions, I was reminded of how we've got to where we are now in society and how <laughs> xenophobia, racism and misogyny is now widely accepted and stuff that should never have been said in public is now broadly okay because it's formed the humour on Top Gear for the last 20 years. Uh, with that in mind, are you ready to start the quiz? Uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm taking it from that that you're not a fan. Uh, I do not mind the TV show. I love the production values of the TV show. And I take a, a, a cursory interest in cars and some of the fun stuff they do. I find the personalities on the show, well, I know they're not there anymore, utterly <laughs> abhorrent and will be avoiding their new show on Amazon. Um, Fair enough. Anyway, this Clarkson-based quiz is kicking off. And as ever, because you are the guest, because you are the superfan, Phil, I give you the choice of whether to go first or second. Superfan. Versus states. Uh, I will go second. Okay. Joe, you're up. Here we go. If these are all questions about racism and, and misogyny, I'm going to fucking nail this. Okay, Joe. Well, the first question is in your ballpark. In his review of the Daihatsu Kopen in 2006, Jeremy Clarkson was accused of being racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, or homophobic. Ooh, I'm going to go with xenophobic. Incorrect. It was actually Damn. homophobic. There is a bonus question attached to this, Joe. Ah, what bonus, did Jeremy homophobic. Clarkson actually say? Um, He said it was a car for poofs. No, you can steal this one, Phil. I'm, I'm just sat here like, wow, I'm definitely going to lose this quiz. I've got no idea. He actually said the car was, quote, a bit gay and described it as ginger beer, which is rhyming slang for queer. Oh man, what a, what, this guy's, what a piece of work. <laughs> Jeez. There's He's more to come. <laughs> As we get to question two, which is your question, <clears throat> Phil, which of the following features did Jeremy Clarkson not include in his description of a quintessentially German car? A horn that plays Wagner. A sat-nav that only goes to Poland. Turn signals displaying Hitler salutes, or a fan belt that will last a thousand years. I think that one's got to be the turn signals one. No, he said that. It was a horn that oh. plays Wagner. Oh, I could have sworn he said that. I rem he definitely said the second one. I remember that. Joe, you're on the question. Oh, man. Which country did Jeremy Clarkson describe as Borat country with gypsies and Russian playboys? Was it Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Romania? Or Bulgaria? I gotta go with Year of Romania. It is, oh, and that puts right. you on the board, Joe. <laughs> I think you're gonna get the next one, Phil. This is probably okay. one of the most famous controversies that Jeremy Clarkson found himself <laughs> involved in. I know you there are many, one? but some were bigger than others. Which okay. of the following remarks was made by Clarkson rather than May or Hammond? So all of, the th all of these things were actually said on television. Okay. One of them was said by Clarkson. Right. A Mexican car is just going to be a lazy, feckless, flatulent oaf. Mexican food resembles refried sick. Imagine waking up and remembering you're Mexican. The Mexican ambassador to Britain will be too lazy to make a complaint about this. Oh, this one is actually tough. I think it's the last one. It is the last one. This make like those choices make me want to cry. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. 
there is very little funny about this quiz. There is actually no. a bonus question attached to this, and okay. just for the avoidance of doubt, the Mexican ambassador did complain. Uh, the bonus question for you, Phil. Which comedian said those comments were as funny as a cold sweat followed by shooting pains down the left arm? <laughs> is it multiple choice? <laughs> Nope, that's why it's the bonus question. He, oh, God. I'll give you one clue, though. Okay. He was a regular on Top Gear and was very disappointed by this section of the show. Ouch, comedian. Nah, no idea. Joe, do you want to take a guess? It was a Colos Mencia, papi, Mexican. <laughs> he's not really even Mexican. I have absolutely no idea who that was I'm meant to be. I'm not even convinced he's a real person, but there we go. Uh, Steve Coogan was the answer. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Good for you, Steve Coogan. Uh, Joe, I believe it's your question. The score is one all, by the way. We're halfway through the quiz. Joe, while reviewing the Toyota GT86 and the Subaru BRZ, Jeremy Clarkson was accused of being racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, <laughs> or homophobic? <laughs> homophobic. No. Oh, I know this one. <laughs> this was an example of racism, but let's see if Joe can get the bonus question. Otherwise, it's going to pass <laughs> to Phil. Which British newspaper obtained the video of Clarkson using a hugely offensive racial slur? Uh, we'll go with... Let's see. I got one on my mind. I'm trying to think of the other one, though. Uh, let's go with The Sun. It was not The Sun. Just to let you know, Jeremy Clarkson actually writes for The Sun. Do you know which newspaper it was, Phil? I have a feeling it was part of his beef with Piers Morgan, so I'm going to go for The Daily Mail. It was the Daily Mirror. Oh, so close. Phil, your question. While the team was filming in Argentina, which make of car had a registration plate that allegedly referenced the 1982 Falklands War? Was it, it a was Porsche? The, a Lotus? It was a, Porsche. it was a Porsche, correct. And there is a bonus point, Phil. Can you give me the exact model? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me for the exact registration number. It was a Porsche 944? No, it's a 928 GT. Cost, yeah. Okay. But you're still 2-1 up as we go into the final round. Your final question, Joe. Which of the following incidents prompted the most complaints to Ofcom, the UK broadcast regulator? Was it Jeremy Clarkson asking Richard Hammond if he's now a mental after his near-fatal car crash? <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson <laughs> making a joke about lorry drivers killing prostitutes. Jeremy Clarkson having a dead cow tied to the roof of his Camaro, or Jeremy Clarkson drinking a gin and tonic while driving through an ice field in the Arctic? Um, I'm going to go with the lorry drivers killing prostitutes. Correct, and we have a tied game. Ah! Danger zone. Phil, <laughs> while filming the building of a bridge between Burma and Thailand, Jeremy Clarkson was accused of being racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, or homophobic. Uh, it was racist. It was indeed. And with that final wow, point, to bed. you have won by a score of three to two. Uh, thank you for picking this subject because I think we've all learned something here today. <laughs> and you get the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot Baseball cap. And of course, you get that Step C ticket worth 27 euros. Oh, I, you, learned, I learned at least 10 new racial slurs that I can't wait to try out. <laughs> Maybe I'll finally get to see them in one of your uh, stand-ups one day, Joe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not in the habit of getting booed off stage. <laughs> Phil, thank you very much for coming on the show. Great to hear back from you now that you're back in contact again. Now you've sorted out your whole social media shenanigans.
No, thank you for having me. And if I can just do one little shameless plug for uh, Lex Veldas's stream. Uh, he's a, I know you had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. Awesome yes. streamer. Check him out on uh, on Twitch uh, slash Rassi, R-A-S-Z-I. Thank you very much, Phil. It's so funny. Thanks, it's like Phil, Phil just listened to a bunch of radio and realized he needed to do, to do a plug like just to fit the mold, but then he plugged somebody else's shit. I know, which I thought was wonderfully giving. So I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to say thank you, Phil, and uh, we'll see you on the scene soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. All right, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. We are taking the week off next week to be thankful for shit. Yeah, I don't even mark Thanksgiving, but I'm quite grateful to have a week off. I actually really like Thanksgiving uh, because it is not a religious holiday, and it's just something that is the the message behind it is like it's not the commercialism of of Christmas, and it's not the paganism of Halloween. Um, of course, there is the whole gluttony thing on Thanksgiving, but in general, I think being around people that you love and celebrating what you do have in this world is is something we could use more of. So uh, I will be taking the week off for that. James, you can just have the week off to pour milk down the sink if you want. <laughs> I've got shit that needs doing in the office, buddy. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm going to be working hard. Well, that means that this is actually the last podcast of November. It does mean that the next episode, episode 68 of EPT Not Live, will be released probably on the 1st or 2nd of December. I think we've got a super fan lined up for that one. I think it's going to be another Californian superfan, John Linley, and the Princess Bride is his specialist subject. Ooh. Hey, maybe I'll actually get a chance to rewatch it with like a little family movie night over Thanksgiving. Great idea. I think I've just uh, I've just made your weekend. Uh, and we will break down uh, the final installment of the best of the EPT, episode three of that mini series. We'll go over the hands, 13 through to one, and uh, we'll try and get someone lined up for that show to talk about one or, one or more of those moments. Can't wait for that. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you just haven't, you know, if you see, it's not really an assignment. It's not really like a prize thing. I want to know, like, what are some cool gifts that are out there for Christmas that I can buy for people and also ask for myself. So if you guys are like seeing any cool gifts online that you want to share with me, you want to tweet them at me, I would love to see what they are because I'm always looking for interesting things. And that's it. That's all the time we got for this week's show. Indeed. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Yeah.